Could you just turn your Bibles to your Bibles, please, uh, to John chapter 15? And what we're doing, I'd just really love to, to pray for us. Father, I just want to thank you. You are such a magnificent God, Lord. But we come before you this morning recognising that you are the Sovereign Lord, that there is none like you. Lord, we want to glorify your name this morning and in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself even more just this morning, Lord. I pray that you would ignite the prophetic gift. And I pray that you would anoint my words, Lord, this morning. For, for, the, for the blessing of your children, I pray, Lord, that you would do that. And you would come and own everything that is going on here this morning. Amen. Amen. A few weeks ago, Daniel asked me, if I would come and preach what he knew was on my heart, what I was carrying on my heart. And the invitation was quite ironic, really, because the message I am carrying is about the heart. It's about my heart. It's about our hearts. And it's about what I believe is on the heart of God. This particular message is largely testimonial. And for those of you who have already heard it in the past, I would ask that you would keep your hearts open because you wouldn't have actually heard it in this context before. In Proverbs chapter 3, it says this, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your hearts keep my commandments. The heart is the place where the commandments are to be cherished and stored. And for the Christian, there are only two commandments that we are to keep. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and with all of your mind. And the second is like this, Jesus says, you shall love your neighbour as you love yourself. There are some things that we learn, and there are some things that our hearts are awakened to. And as much as anything else, this is a message of an awakening that took place for me. This isn't about something I learned. It is about something I experienced that changed my life and my heart forever. And my hope is this, that all of our hearts will be awakened afresh this morning. Both the Old and the New Testament go to great lengths to instruct us and encourage us to watch over our hearts. And Proverbs chapter 4 tells us why we should. Keep your heart, it says, with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Do you know there used to be more than a dozen freshwater springs in London? And along with places like Sadler's Wells and Clerkenwell, people would come from everywhere, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, on a Sunday, to partake of the spring waters. And I believe that God is raising up his church. I believe God is raising up this church in this city to be a new drinking hole, yes. a new artesian well, if you like, where people can come and drink and experience the flow of the springs of life, the springs of life that come from a people whose hearts watch over the commandments. So what I want to do is I want to anchor this message in 
John 15 because it's where the experience was anchored so we'll be beginning in verse 1 this is Jesus speaking to his disciples he said I am the true vine and my father is a vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you and, and the next verse is our text for the day by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as the father has loved me so I have loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you greater love is no one than this than someone who lay down his life for his friends you are my friends if you do what I command you no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing but I have called you friends for all that I've heard from my father I have made known to you you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give it to you so these things I command you so that you will love one another amen, amen. in 2014 I had a heart attack this is the embarrassing bit I didn't know that I'd had a heart attack we were up in Lincolnshire uh, on a men's uh, Bible week um, and I was quite stressed there were lots of things going on in life and in church life at the time and uh, I started to feel unwell I was sick but the symptoms as far as I understood weren't stereotypical of a heart attack I just felt some stinging across all of the top of the body um, some stiffness in the shoulders high anxiety um, and as if I was completely drained and actually nobody who was with me identified that there was any need for paramedics or anything else we just recognized that I was unwell and I think we all came to the same conclusion that because of life I was burned out so the next morning I got up and um, made the decision to drive home on my own um, which was a three-hour journey that eventually took six hours and um, finally arrived home it was agreed I'd have something of a sabbatical until I'd recharged the batteries and so what happened is 
I was spending day after day at home. Uh, it was beautiful weather and I was in the garden pretty much every day just effectively cultivating my garden. I was planting, I was watering, I was deadheading, I was pruning all of this garden. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit really stirred me to, to this piece of scripture, John chapter 15. And as I started to read it, he started to expose a problem with my spiritual heart. When I read Jesus saying this, this is my commandment that you love one another, I was convicted. And convicted isn't condemned. We've been singing this morning about there is no condemnation. But God does come and convict at times. And I was convicted. In all honesty, up until that point, I thought it was quite a nice bloke. Don't shake your head, Charles, I can see. <laughs> but the scripture was revealing just how far short of the commandment my everyday life was falling at that particular time in my life. Then, to my utter surprise, the vine dresser visited me and started to prune me back. And it's interesting, John Piper speaks about the internal relationship and the external relationship and work, actually, that takes place within this passage. The, the internal work is us as Christians abiding in Christ, that our new position is in Jesus, that our union with Christ, that he is in us and we are in him, and that we are part of the vine and that's where our security and our acceptance and significance comes from and it's eternal nobody can do anything with it but then there is this external work when the vine dresser shows up and comes to the vine and starts to prune back the branches on the vine and that is what I experienced and boy did he prune me back Day after day after day, over a seven-week period, I was repenting of poor attitudes. I was repenting of poor motives, unforgiveness. Day after day after day, over a seven-week period, until in the end, I felt like a twig about that big. The amazing thing was is that I still didn't know that I'd had a, a physical heart attack. And so what had happened at the end of that period, my wife and I, we took a holiday and we went to Turkey. And it was whilst I was in Turkey that I became aware that I had a problem. I was finding it increasingly difficult to walk from the hotel to the beach, which was about 200 metres. I'd get about halfway and start to feel this crushing pressure on my chest as if somebody was standing behind me and squeezing me. Anyway, that carried on for the week and I was finding it more and more difficult to walk. We came home on the Sunday and on the Monday I was straight into my GP. 
And I know what you're thinking, why didn't you go beforehand anyway? Uh, yes. The truth, yes, Daniel. The truth <laughs> of the matter is, it, I don't think it was arrogance. It was so similar to a burnout experience I'd had 20 odd years beforehand that I was absolutely convinced that what I had been experiencing was one of the same. Anyway, I go to my GP, he checks me out. He puts the stethoscope on me. He said, why have you come? Why are you asking me to do this? He said, are you having difficulty walking? And I said, yes. He said, I want you to go down to the clinic, walk-in clinic. I want you to have an ECG. Come back immediately with the results. So I did that. I went back immediately with the results. And I sat down and he said, Mike, he said, you've had a heart attack. He said, I don't know when it was. Uh, I said, I do. Um, I said it was eight weeks ago when we were up in Lincolnshire. I said I never made the connection. I said, but that's when it took place. He said, well, what I need to do, he said, I need to make an appointment for you to go and see it. So as far as I could work out what he was doing, he, on his computer, it looked like he was pulling up um, the diaries of, of consultants. And then he stopped and he looked around at me, he said, would you prefer, he said, if I wrote you a letter right now and you go off to St. Thomas's Hospital in London right now? And I said, yes, please. I just somehow knew in here I was in trouble. I said, yes, please. And so for those of you who know Max Eaton and Pete Heath, they whisked me off to St. Thomas's Hospital. And the moment I arrived at St. Thomas's Hospital, everything started to go through the gears. Everything cranked up very quickly. They did another ECG, all sorts of tests, medication. Um, I know Jackie was definitely involved in all of this and thank God for her because she was there and she was smoothing the wheels and greasing the wheels that, that allowed me to be seen very quickly. Anyway, after about an hour and a half, I was up in a cardiac ward. And that evening, the cardiologist came to see me and he said, Mike, I'm taking you down for a procedure tomorrow morning. Uh, he said, the procedure's an angiogram. He said, what we do, he said, we run a wire up into the cavity of the We can check on the and condition. And he said, if necessary, the arteries. I will put some stents in. And he <laughs> said, if necessary, and he said, the whole procedure takes about 40 minutes. He said, the whole procedure takes about 40 minutes. It's a local anaesthetic. He said, we're down there. After about 20 minutes of the procedure, he pulled me out. After about 20 minutes of the procedure, he pulls me out. I said, did you put the stents in? I said, was and he uh, said, uh, I said, did unfortunately, you put stents in? Stents in. Uh, I couldn't. And he, he said, said uh, unfortunately, I can't do anything for you. The damage is so extensive. He said, the damage is so extensive. Damage post-mortem. He said, we only said, see this level of damage I do not know, we do not know how you're still alive. He said, I do not know, we do not know how you're still alive. And then what he did is he showed me, and what he did is he showed me of arteries. A diagram of branching off in different of, directions. He said you've got coronary heart disease. He said it's not lifestyle, he said you've got coronary heart disease. And on this diagram, I could lifestyle hereditary. nine crosses and on this diagram, nine crosses with an A figures underneath. And I just said, we've got nine blockages or nine narrowings. He said, we've got nine blockages or nine narrowings. He said, it's very nice. He said, it's way too many for me to do. 
And, and he said, and he's wasted I said, well, what about figures? To do? And he said, they and represent said, the flow of, of oxygen and blood that's going through. He said, they represent the flow of oxygen and blood that's going through. And there was figures like 25, 45, I seem to remember, 70-something. And there was figures like 25, 45, I seem to remember, 70-something. And he said to me, what should they be reading? Than what they are. And he just said to me, an awful lot more. Okay. Than what he said, I, I can't do anything for you. I have to hand you over to the surgeons. You need a triple bypass. So the following evening, the Friday evening, it was about 6.30. So the evening, Friday and this lovely, very posh and very direct and to the point consultant surgeon turned up with his private nurse, a Dr. Robshaw. And this is the conversation of Dr. Robshaw. And this is the conversation of Michael. Yes, doctor, do you know what the problem Hello, is? Yes, Michael? doctor. My arteries yes, are shot to pieces and it looks as if I need a triple bypass. Exactly right. I have two options for you. Exactly right. You can choose not to have the surgery done. And you can choose not to have the surgery done. And you will be dead between he two said, days and not weeks. live the month. He said, or, he said, you will not live the month. Up now. He said, or, let me, let me have a look up the veins in your leg. Oh, that one's very let me, nice. Let me have or a look at the veins in your leg. Oh, that one's very nice. Or I can strip the veins out there. and I can replace all of the arteries. I can take all of the dead and stuff out. And I can replace the blocked up stuff. Out. I'll take, take away. all of the dead stuff out. All of the blocked up stuff. I'll take all away. new ones. And they will last longer than and you. And I will graft in all years. new ones. And they will last longer said, than you. They after a few months, he said, a very difficult rehab. After a few months, words, he said, a very difficult rehab. You can crack on with your life and you'll never see me again. You can crack on with your life and you'll never see me again. Well, I just burst out laughing. It wasn't nervous laughing. Well, I just burst out laughing. I just burst out laughing. It wasn't nervous laughing. I mean, it's a no-brainer. I just burst out laughing and I just said to him, it's a no-brainer. It's not as if you know, it's a no-brainer. What do I want to do? It's not as if you know, it's not as if I want to do it. What do you think, love? Just die. I said it's a no-brainer. I said, when do you think you can do the surgery? I said it's a no-brainer. I said, when do you think you can do the surgery? He said, how's the first thing on Monday morning? You've given me. He said, how's the first thing on Monday morning? So I go down for surgery on the Monday morning. Thank you. I'm in intensive care for a day. I'm in high dependency ward for two days. And then I'm back up into one of the general wards for two days. And then I'm back up into one of the general cardiac wards from there on in. Uh, the I truth is, yeah. uh, I had a 36-inch scar and blood and 12-14-inch scar and blood and 12-14-inch scar. scar. Oh, my goodness, I don't know how you're going to have this done. They're opening your friend said to me, oh, my goodness, I don't know how you're going to have this done. They're opening the table and put all the bits back in. said they're going to throw all the bits on the table and put all the bits back in. I did feel battered and bruised. I didn't sleep very well over the next few days. It was very hot. Do you remember, Jack? It was huge, very warm summer. It was very much like last weekend. But then there was a day that I was due to come home. And I got out of bed very early. Dawn was just breaking, something like 4.30, quarter to five in the morning. And this was the full extent of my mobility. So I have to hold a very sort of tightly wrapped towel to your chest. Um, because they didn't want you to cough or sneeze and pop the stitches. 
And I went out and I just shuffled out of the ward and I shuffled past the nurses station and there was nobody up. And I went to the service lift area at the back of the nurses station and I looked out the window, I could see London just waking up slowly. And I started pondering. I don't think I was feeling sorry for myself. But I was pondering, I was thinking, I'm 59. What's the future? Uh, is this going to be the full extent of my mobility? What is it going to mean for work? What is it going to mean for family? What is it going to mean or for all money? All sorts of things. And I'm just standing there, just wondering, what's this all going to look like? And then completely from left field, God spoke to me. And it was so God because it was so left field. He said, Mike... He said, do you remember the diagram you said that the cardiologist showed you of all of the arteries branching off in all different directions? And I thought, yes, Lord. He said, did you notice how similar in design and structure the human arteries are to a grapevine? Huh. He said, well, I visited your life as a vine dresser. He said, and I pruned you back, and I pruned you back, and I pruned you back. He said, because there were things, he said, that were blocking the springs of your spiritual life. And I've called you for a purpose. He said, you felt that I reduced you to that. He said, and you're right, he said, because I do have a purpose for you. He said, but that purpose could not be fulfilled if you died. He said, so through the hands of the surgeon, I have visited your natural vine that was full of all of these blockages that were stopping the springs of physical, natural life coming through you. He said, and I've taken them all away and I've removed them and I've put all new ones in so that you can live for I have called you to bear much fruit. I was overwhelmed, totally overwhelmed. My instincts were just to start sobbing, but I couldn't because I had to keep the towel pushed against me and it was too painful. The whole, everything I'd experienced was just totally overwhelming. I also knew this, that he didn't have to go to this length just to teach me this. I knew this was for the church. I knew the message for the church and the encouragement for the church is that you have been called to bear much fruit. As well as being shocked and overwhelmed, I was also awakened to the heart of God. I was awakened to the lengths that he was prepared to go to in my life for the sake of his glory and for my future. A future that he was determined would flourish. He was prepared to extend my natural finite life so that I could produce much more eternal fruit. Our text, verse 8, says this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, 
this fruit is this glorification I should say of God is to magnify him is to exalt him is to worship and to praise him and the fruit that we all produce and are called to produce does just that and you guys do this wonderfully wonderfully well I was also awakened to the fact that this whole experience was a prophetic sign and a prophetic message the heart attack that I didn't know I'd had cultivating my own garden planting watering deadheading and pruning for the sake of more flowers to come up at the same time as a vine dresser was visiting my own life and pruning and cutting back things that were so that so that I could produce more fruit at the same time as I'm there with all of my natural vine blocked up waiting for the time that the vine dresser that God was going to come and visit through the hands of the surgeon and take away all of those things that were drying up the springs in my life and I do say this are you facing challenging circumstances in fact I actually don't know anybody who isn't facing challenging circumstances we are clearly as Charles mentioned earlier and prayed earlier we're all living in very uncertain times if you're someone here this morning you're concerned for your future I honestly believe this prophetic message to the church is this fear not fear not he has called you to bear much fruit and flourish regardless of your circumstances this word much comes from a root word which refers to both quantity and frequency and the quantity of the fruit that we have been called to when he said I've called you to much fruit is abundance it is an abundance of fruit that lies in your future that's what you are producing and that's what you are going to produce you are going to flourish into an abundance of fruit but it's also frequency how often well actually it's frequently it is often time so that word much the root word it comes through speaks both of quantity yield and it also speaks of just how frequently you will be producing fruit and it's saying this that you have been called to produce an abundance of fruit frequently oftentimes the increase comes through our partnership with God It is actually our own responsibility to watch over, to guard, to keep our hearts. And that actually means to protect and cherish the commandment to love the Lord our God, but to love one another. And essentially, this is really what Jesus is talking about in verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, he said, you will actually abide in my love. Sadly, this is where I actually came up short back in 2014. I wasn't as vigilant as I should have been. I was lazy. I was distracted by all of the things that were going on around me. 
and I wasn't vigilant enough over my heart. I didn't take my part of the partnership that seriously. I allowed the pressures of the day and stress and frustrations with people and situations to get the better of me. So the vine dresser stepped in. Even so, he will only go about his work in our lives if we invite him in. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, which is a passage, funny enough, on the commandments and the people keeping the commandments, God said to the people, I set before you life and death. Choose life. Please choose life. We do have a choice on just our much we prioritise the watching over our hearts and taking that responsibility. And in fact, we have a responsibility to each other, yeah? To watch over each other's hearts. When the surgeon was standing at the end of my bed, he said to me, I've got two options for you, life and death. Choose life, Mike. And my response is, I said, well, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Sadly, back in 2014, I didn't understand, I think, what I understand now. I believe that God would have me encourage you with this, that when the vine dresser visits your life sometime in the future, and he will. Because it's part of the John 15 promise of all of us growing in fruitfulness. Our abiding in Christ and being secure in Christ, in our union with Christ, plus the Father, the vine dresser, coming to visit. Plus our watching over and keeping watch over our hearts will be the best possible way forward, I think, in producing more fruit. My encouragement would be, don't run away when the vine dresser turns up. I've known Christians over the years who have done that. It's that they don't run away to death. Their, their eternal security has been established by Christ. Their, 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 their eternal destiny is secure. But what happens is this, is that they struggle to understand that their purpose in life, which kept stalling for them, was intrinsically linked with God's purpose for their heart. The purpose for our lives that inspire us and ignite things within us are intrinsically linked with the Father's and the Son's purpose for our hearts so when the vine dresser comes I would really encourage you to say it's a no brainer Lord do whatever you want because I want my life to glorify you and I want my future to be even more fruitful than it is now and can I say this and I touched on it earlier, and this sound, if this, I mean this from the heart. 
guys are so good at this stuff. So, so good at this stuff. From the moment I turned up at Trinity Church, your kindness, your compassion. Boy, be careful now. You're getting emotional. I know, I've been around a bit. You have such soft hearts and gentle hearts. But I do believe that we have been called to be a freshwater spring to the people in this city. And I believe that they will gather to us. And not only that, when God said to me, Mike, I have called you to bear much fruit, that actually means I have to stand before you with the prophetic gift I have, seeing the potential, seeing all of the abundance within all of you, and prophetically, I have to call it out, encourage it out, provoke it out, and sometimes challenge it out of you. Because I see, to some degree, what God has put in you and it is extraordinary and I am not making it up what is within you is extraordinary so I have this passion to call it out and draw it out of you you do wonderfully well this is not a message to people saying hey you're not fruitful you need to be fruitful this is to people who are wonderfully fruitful and abundantly fruitful and I'm still standing up here and saying in an Irish accent, maybe there's more. <laughs> there's more. Yeah, there's more. You have been called to bear much fruit. So, what does fruit look like, and, and what might fruit fruitless? Sorry, what what does fruit look like, and what might fruitfulness look like? Fruit can look like anything that emanates from a heart that's cultivating love. Hebrews speaks about the peace peaceful or peaceable fruit of righteousness Galatians speaks of the fruit of the spirit Proverbs speaks about the fruit that is won by gaining souls our gifts will produce their own kinds of fruit it can look like many different things and it will be different for each of us but it will be of the spirit and it will be eternal and it will be a fruit that lasts Fruitfulness might look like this. And then I'm coming to a close. I heard a preacher say this a few weeks ago, and it really resonated with me. He didn't expand upon it, he didn't build upon it, he just made these three statements. I don't even know what he was preaching on. He just dropped it in somehow. Pretty much like me. He said, I believe that I owe people a divine encounter. He said, I believe that I owe people a message of the kingdom. He said, and I believe that I owe people an example to follow. And that completely resonated with me. And I thought, yep, that's what it means for me to be fruitful. He said, I believe that I owe people a divine encounter in, in P2 Peter. It speaks about that we are partakers of the divine nature. There is something in Christ, something of Christ in all of us, the nature of Christ, the characteristics of Christ are in us. It's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. We are in Christ in union with him. I've died. It's Christ who lives. And so the thought is this. People should expect to come into 
our presence and experience something of the something of Christ. They should have an encounter of the divine with us. Not because of us, I'm dead, but because of Christ in me. I just want to encourage us when we go onto the streets in a few weeks' time. I know we do pray, Lord, give us divine appointments. But I wonder if you could think and consider it slightly differently. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But actually think, you know what? I want to be the divine appointment. Actually, when I go on the street, I want to make sure that there is something of Christ that I've watched over my heart, that I'm guarding my heart. And I'm going to take this heart that loves these commandments to love and I'm going to take them on the street and I want people to see something of Christ in me. He said, I believe that I owe people a message of the kingdom. I thought it was great when Cheryl and Jackie came up this morning. Both of them brought testimonies. You don't have to preach. You don't have to be great. We've got great teachers here. We've got tremendous teachers. But we all carry a message of the kingdom within us. doesn't have to be the testimony of our salvation. What I could say this is that please don't underplay your testimony. You each carry a message of the kingdom with you. It might be the message of your salvation. It might be a message of anything else that God's done in your life. But you do carry a message of the kingdom within you. And that bears much fruit. So I would encourage you to take that out onto the streets as well when you're meeting people in a few weeks' time. Tell them your God stories the way that we heard them this morning. And he said this, I believe that I owe people an example to follow. And, and we've touched on that this morning. But the word that can rankle with us as Christians can be the word owe. What does that mean? Well, I think it means this. If I want an apple, I'll go to an apple tree. If I want an orange, I'll go to an orange tree. Why do I do that? Because I know that apple trees produce apples and orange trees produce oranges. But not only that, I know that God created them and appointed them to produce that fruit. In verse 16 of John 15, Jesus says this, I chose you. You didn't choose me. And I have appointed you. I have appointed you to go and bear much and your fruit he said shall last and I think that's amazing. it's amazing it's eternal fruit Darren would you mind coming back up with the band again As you can imagine, was a profound season in my life. It wasn't always comfortable. In fact, it was unbelievably uncomfortable to have two surgeries done on me at the same time. Surgery on my spiritual heart and a surgery done on my physical heart. 
I saw from it the importance to God of those two things, that we glorify him in heaven. It's important to him that our fruit glorifies him in heaven. But it's important to him that we flourish. It's important to him that we fulfill our purpose. And I want to actually want to ask you to stand. just to inquire of God if there's been any sort of awakening inside of you concerning your own life this is not a message of condemnation neither actually is it a message of conviction if there's any conviction it's it was done in my life in the message and, and if it's happening to you now it's the work of the Holy Spirit for one reason and one reason only that you flourish the, the springs of life flow through you if there are any blockages and I've still got many I'm not in any great haste for the vine dresser to turn up again but it's worth saying to him it's a no brainer Lord do whatever you do come Lord come Lord come and speak to me Lord we know that we are secure in your embrace we know that we are secure in Christ we know that we abide in Christ Lord we never want to get to a place where we fear Lord help us Lord I pray help us pray Lord help us to watch over our hearts Lord with great vigilance we want the springs of life Lord to be flowing through us these are difficult times so many distractions so many things coming against us in so many different ways Lord teach us I pray Lord teach us how to be vigilant the word means to be surveying our own hearts a it's, like, it's like those surveillance cameras watch over your hearts in this way I don't think the times and the seasons and the years are going to get any easier but I do think that you are going to bear fruit that is going to be extraordinary I've been blessed to see it but I would encourage you to step into the partnership that you're already in even more than you are now that you would abandon yourself to the commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart to love one another what we're going to do now is that we're going to break bread we're going to take communion and I can't think of a better way of practicing corporately how our abiding in Christ unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies it remains by itself alone but if it falls to the earth 
it bears much fruit. And we come to the sacrament reminding ourselves and each other the sacrifice that Christ made. The first fruit of many. Lord, so I just pray that you would meet with us, Lord, in the sacrament as you promised to do. That you will speak to our hearts, Lord, that you will encourage us. Lord God, remind us there's no condemnation, but there is a work being undertaken all of the time. Bless these people, I pray.